step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Welcome to Penalty Box Radio. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Jonah Story, Peyton Turnage, Candy Kemp, and behind the glass, Calvin Smith. And folks, if you're given a choice between the boat or the mystery box, right now you should take the boat. I promise you. Those comedy tickets are not worth it. All right. We have plenty to discuss tonight on Penalty Box Radio. We're going to talk a little Preds. We're going to talk some college hockey. We're going to talk about the St. Louis Blues. And hey, as always... We found a dumb thing said on Pred's Facebook. Actually, there's two dumb things said on Pred's They just Facebook. get dumber by the day. Dumber by the day. So let's just go ahead and kick it off with what happened in the most recent Pred's game. We don't want to spend too much time on it. What did happen, Justin? Not a win. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of power play goals against. And just a lot. A lot. 10 for 11. Yeah, it's... Uh, it was just... It was a brutal game because I'm getting ready for my own puck drop at 11.15 p.m. <laughs> which... Late. It's our latest yeah. one of the season. Yeah. But keep looking at the score and, oh, 4 2. Hey, something's happening. Uh, 5 2. Uh, it's 6 2 now. <sighs> and it's Vancouver dominating the Predators while on the power play, which is exactly dominating. what they did. Dominating. Last time yep. <laughs> they faced each other like that. So just one of those curious games that we're starting to see so much more. That this road trip had potential because it started off great. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, that you wanted the Preds maybe to get five or six points for it to be a successful road trip. Five would have been fine. Six would have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. But to get only four shows that the inconsistencies are still there that we're obviously concerned with. But if there is a bright side, it's that the Pacific Division, which is pretty much carrying those two wildcard spots, they tend to keep carrying those, they're being inconsistent as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if there's that bright side, it's there. there's an opportunity for the Predators to still get in there. But now you see if they're going to face someone – who are they going to face? Most likely the Central Division, number one, if they're in the wild card, number two. So you want to at least get to the wild card one spot. <laughs> so you do, the yeah. Champion. But you also don't want to keep putting your back up against the wall. No. I mean, yeah, there is the opportunity, yes. And yes, other teams are struggling too. But you get to a certain point in the season where it's like, I'm sorry. You lost too many already. You backed yourself up against the wall, and all of a sudden it's down to one game, and it's decided and it's done. Whereas when you talk about, you know, yeah, if you would have come out of that road trip of six points, that's great because you're setting future Preds up, you know, Preds two weeks from now, this this loss could cost you. So it's just it. the more time that passes and the more games that you're like, hmm, yeah, that's interesting, mm. but they, they could have won if they did this, you start to get to that point where it's like, well, you didn't do it, so Middle it's just getting – yeah, yeah, it does. And then the interesting part in this, and I know it's been discussed plenty of times, is that ice time. So time mm-hmm. on ice, and you're seeing the quote-unquote stars being benched overall. Yeah, yeah. Really limited number of, of ice. And is it – John Hines is interesting. I really wish that we could see John Hines go through a training camp with this team and go from there instead of starting off in the middle of the season because overall – 
and kind of like his take on what he's doing to try to teach those teachable moments and the way that he's talking about things. But it's difficult to do that in the middle of a season to just instill everything that you believe in your core values as a coach in the middle of a season when they're trying to, to a fight room full for, of yeah, people. to a room full of people yeah. trying to fight for a playoff spot and everything of that sort. So it's curious to see how this is going to all play out because there's still, again, opportunity there. But the Predators schedule doesn't get any easier. It's a very difficult schedule for them. And they prove that with how they finished up their road trip. So four points, yeah, they got a few, but it's still not enough because they're still out of it. Looking, They're outside looking in, and that's just not what you want at this point in time. And so we're closer and closer to the trade deadline, what's going to happen? Because you still don't know. If you're only a few points out, you still have games in hand, you start thinking, well, if, all these if scenarios, if they you know, won a couple games and they're right back in it, so maybe they should be buyers, well, if this. And at this point in time, if you're right in that gray area, it's tough because if you become a seller, you can actually get some good things in return to where next season you'd be just fine with what you have. You're not a full blanket just to sell everything mode, but you could sell a few things to get a few pieces to help restock your cupboard and maybe still make the playoffs. I mean, there have been teams that have done that where they've sold at the trade deadline and somehow they still made a push and made the playoffs. And you're going, whoa, how that happened? This team could potentially do that. They just haven't shown those signs of it. And we've talked all season, all season about how much talent is on this roster and it's just not there this team just isn't doing it and i'm not going to be one of those people that's going to say stick a fork in them they're done because you never know with sports until they're mathematically eliminated anything could happen are they showing signs that they're ready for playoffs or anything no they're not showing signs of battling to try to get into the playoffs no they're not showing those signs right now but it's happened with teams before and i'm not trying to put too much sugar coating on things i'm just saying i i can't call them dead yet until they mathematically are, because if they string a few things together, then boom, they're automatically in the playoffs. So what they do beyond that is the big question mark. And yeah, that's the and, thing. and they're going to have to they're going to have to string together, actually string together, and not just this this one win here. Oh wow, we just lost two. Oh, win another one. Oh, we lose another one too. They need to they need to string them together. One, they need those wins, but two. That those stringing those together builds the confidence that this team is severely lacking, and it's like, could they win sixteen games to try to push them? I don't. Yes, maybe they could, but also what we're seeing is maybe they won't. You know, so I mean, it could easily go both ways, but they are just starting to run out of time because we're having a lot of the same conversations that we were having at the beginning of January, and all of a sudden it's it's mid-February. mid-February. And like you said, it doesn't get any easier. That's the thing. It's like there are other teams out there fighting and clawing for spots, mm-hmm. and you have, to, you have to kill off penalties. You have to fight against teams that are fighting really hard, and at the end of the day it's going to be who's fighting harder for this playoff spot. And, and if, and if you're not, right you're not. Right, and I know we're going to switch gears here because I know we're going to talk about it in the future. We have Tom Timmerman at St. Louis Post-Dispatch to talk St. Louis Blues, but wanted to address the, the Jay Bomeister uh, thing that happened and just a scary, scary situation overall happened over there in Anaheim. And luckily he seems to be recovering. It was a cardiac incident. They had to use the paddles to revive him, which is even scarier to think that, that he collapses on the bench and the game stopped. Game got postponed, and they might even have to switch some things around in the schedule to, to get that game played out. But scary situation. Glad he is doing well right now, but I know that our, our prayers are with him and in recovery and just seeing those two teams come together and everybody's talking about how I'm not a fan of this or I'm not a fan of this certain team, but it's great to see them come together. And, and it is. But the thing that frustrates me about that is, you know, you don't always have to preface <laughs> Things with, well, I'm not a fan of the Blues, but just say that you wish him well. Yeah. Just say, I mean, I'm, 
I'm, I feel a little ranty on it, but it's like you don't have to say that you're not a fan of. Who cares? It's about the person right now yep. and his family and everything. Uh, I'm, I'm not a fan of St. Louis. Uh, I'm not a fan of the Anaheim Ducks, but good on them for taking care of the situation. I don't care if you're a fan or not. You don't yeah. have to preface everything with what you are or not. Just send the well wishes. I love that you said that because we hadn't even talked about that. But that was something that I always <laughs> notice, and it just kind of irks me, grinds my gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, I mean, okay, us sitting in this room, chances are – no, I'm not a fan of Anaheim Ducks, but I'm going to see that and not even think, well, I don't really like them, but I like what he's doing right now. So I'm just going to say in my head, look at that. Now, that's what hockey's about. That's what I see when I look at those right. photos. So you don't have, yeah. Yeah. So good to see them come together. But just remember, you don't always have to preface with who you are and who you are not a fan of in any type yeah. of situation like that. Just say how you feel. Just you give do. your great, yeah. Just give your well wishes. Exactly. That's all you do. And then other things came out today about a Shea Weber injury. Yes, bringing up Shea Weber and cap recapture because of an injury that he sustained. And the Montreal Canadiens released that it was an ankle sprain. And he's out four to six weeks, which is basically the season for him. And then everybody starts talking about, oh, could Shea Weber retire? What's going to happen there? Cap recapture under the, the old CBA. And what's going to happen there? So to kind of go through this is that one, I don't see Shea Weber retiring, outright retiring, but instead see him somehow going on LTIR, the long-term injury reserve, because then he still get paid. And that's a big thing, to still get paid. Mm-hmm. But then, let's go through this real quick. If he were to retire, the way this breaks down is, if he retires before this year, this is the cap that is owed. It gets higher and higher as it progresses, all the way up to $24 million <laughs> if he retires right before the 2025 season. So... <laughs> If that happens, but that, that's what's that's what it's stated. I can't imagine it going that way or going that route. But now, for instance, if he were to retire before the twenty twenty season, then it would be just over four mil before the twenty twenty one four point nine, and so on and so on. So it's before that season starts is the way the recapture would go, and the Canadians would only have like seven hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, nothing. This could ruin the Predators. Yeah. In terms of this, if he gets up to that, if he plays a couple more years, it gets to that eight million, eight point one mil cap recapture. That's a player mm-hmm. that you're not allowed to sign. Again, I cannot imagine the NHL letting this happen mm-hmm. because of this, especially to Nashville, a market that they are in love with right now, and that it would it would really hurt that franchise. I figured there'd be something around there, there'd be something to work out where he gets hired on on a role where he can still get paid. Da 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 da. But that's just what it states right now. We can't address that until it happens, and then all of Nashville is going, oh, God, <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen? I've seen some people that are freaking out, thinking that he's just going to try to retaliate against this team, but I'm like, he... I don't see that. Not at all. He's, That's I cannot speak for... I can't not speak for him, but I can tell you that I would safely feel comfortable saying... I don't think that's who Shea Weber is. Shea Weber, one, he wants to play hockey, and two, why would he leave that money on the table? Well, and also, what, what's, what does he have against Nashville? I mean, he's doing actually okay in Montreal. He's a yeah. captain, <laughs> so and he, he's wearing a yeah, C there. He, and he, he was wants an to play hockey, from what yeah. I know. <laughs> and he's an all-star representative of the Montreal Canadiens, so why, why even go that route? Yeah. Again, there's so many things to figure out. I know it's confusing for folks, but I can't see that being an issue right mm-hmm. now. It comes up every time. Shea Weber might be just a little bit injured of, oh, no, what if he retires? What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. <gasps> mm-hmm. People freak out. Not that way yet. That was put out there that it could be career ending, but the Canadians are saying just ankle injury, just ankle sprain. Yeah, I so we'll found see. that interesting that it was. It we'll see, but he's getting, up to... that, he's getting to the age of the worth where if it's a bad injury, just call it quits. 
Well, yeah. In some form yeah. or fashion, whether it's through LTIR exactly. or, or whatnot. So we'll see what happens. There's other players have worked it out, like Chris Pronger. Worked out with him to go on an LTIR uh, or to trade his rights somewhere or things like that. So also this came in here, too. Uh, Franklin, that their high school hockey team, won, and they're moving on to the next round. So congrats to Sam Fleming of Penalty Box Radio. He's an assistant coach there. So big congrats to Franklin High. Woohoo! Yeah, big time. That's exciting. Big time. Okay, so it is really rainy and just sometimes if you want to go on a boat, you want to go when it's a little bit warmer, right, Glenn? Well, yeah. I don't like to be cold on a boat. Yeah, you want to be warm on a boat with your flippy floppies, right? I don't wear those. You don't wear What are your flippy floppies? Can I see a picture of you in flippy floppies? Are you talking about the little flippers that you go swimming in or talking about actual flip flops? Flip flops. Okay, because they're called flip flops, not flippy floppies. If you're on a boat, the flippy floppies. (laughs) (laughs) So did you know that we are taking a hockey fan cruise? That is amazing. So, yeah, Hockey Fan Cruise, July 12th and 19th with Royal Caribbean and Ships and Trips Travel. And we are going to Cozumel, Costa Maya, and Roatan. And we have special guest, the Grim Reaper, Stu Grimson, is joining us on this cruise. And so is Lindsey Raleigh of Fox Sports Tennessee. We have two VIP guests where you're going to be able to have Q&A time with them, going to be able to ask them different things, interact with them. We have private cocktail parties just for our group. And we're going to have three private skating sessions on the ice rink on board the ship. An ice rink on board the ship. Which is the best part. Which is the best part. Stu's bringing his skates. I say it all the time, but you never get to skate on the ocean. Yeah. So So. you're going to be able to skate. And then we're going to have all these different fun activities there as well. So it's HockeyFanCruise.com. And hey... If you've been thinking about this, you need to book before March 14th because once you get to March 14th, the price is going to go up. So you're going to have some major, major FOMO if you don't book by March 14th. So you got to make sure you get that done. HockeyFanCruise.com with Penalty Box Radio, Royal Caribbean, and Chips and Trips Travel. Up next, we're talking college hockey, the SECHC champion Ole Miss Rebels with their captain, Braden Storner. Coming up next on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Jonah Story, Peyton Turnage, Kenny DeCamp, and producer Calvin changing it up this week. I walked in the studio today <laughs> with Hannah Montana calling my name. I had to do it. Call you nailed my it. Name. Well done. Well done. How about, how about that? All right. Up next, big, big time win for the Ole Miss Rebels in the SECHC tournament over the weekend. We have the captain of Ole Miss, Braden Storner, on the line. Braden, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, big-time win. You guys get your first-ever Southeastern Collegiate Hockey Conference Championship in the 10th year of the program, and you do it in such great fashion as well as a 6 seed. Just overall, what does it feel like to be the captain of this team and all the emotions that you've been experiencing these past few days? Um, you know, it's a, it's a true honor um, being able to play with all those kids on, on the team. Um, I'm so happy they picked me to, to be the leader, but I, it wasn't just me um, leading the team. We have three other assistant captains, but there's so many older guys on the team that all lead the team and um, really helped us through the, through the whole tournament. And Braden, goaltender Ryan Troy said after the game, he said, we just really used our adrenaline. These guys wanted it so bad. It doesn't matter. We could have been, you know, had one hour of sleep the night before and still gone out there and balled out like we did, which I love the honesty 
And I also loved because it it actually paints a picture of you have to have this winning mentality if you want to go out there and win games. Um, So I just kind of want to get your take on what that locker room conversation was like prior to the start of that matchup against the top seeded Arkansas. Looks like we lost Braden, so we're going to get him back on the line here in a second. Peyton, you were calling the game. So what was that like for you, the experience of calling this, especially to be inside the arena like that too? I called the one the previous year, and but this year was just so much more amplified. The Ole Miss fans, I mean, even the Arkansas fans, they really brought it. So I got to give it to everybody that showed up over the weekend. You had, what, over 1,000 people show up over the course of the yeah. weekend, Justin? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Glenn, back to you. Looks like we have Braden back on the line. All right, Braden. <laughs> Sorry about that. All good. I thought I ran <laughs> you off. No. <laughs> <in Oxford. laughs> um. So goaltender Ryan Troy said after the game, he said, we really just used our adrenaline. We could have been, you know, running off a one hour of sleep and we still would have went out there and balled out like we did, which I loved that honesty. And it also paints the picture of how important that winning mentality is. So I just kind of wanted to get your take on that locker room conversation, what that was like prior to the start of that matchup. Yeah, you know, we were we were just, we knew um, playing them earlier in the season that we could, we could take care of business and beat them. Um, but we knew um, before the game that we just needed to play Ole Miss hockey, and if we stuck to our game, we we can beat anyone in the in the South or in the conference. So that's that's the, the attitude we went into it with, and we carried that through the full six minutes of the game. And Brayden, in the last three years, Ole Miss had lost uh, two out of three SEC HC championships, and to my knowledge, I think you were on both those teams. What was different about this year, and what did you learn from those experiences that you were able to bring to the guys and help lead this crew uh, through this year? Um, I think it was just learning from our mistakes. You know, um, both of those two prior uh, championship games, we went up early, and um, when we got scored on, we kind of deflated and let that let that uh, carry us through the periods and and revelries in those games. But um, this season, I really felt like we were we faced. Um, that a lot of adversity earlier in the season and uh, with some tough losses that we shouldn't have. And I think with that early in the season, we really learned from it and was able to build off of that going into the tournament and then going down early um, in the first period or second period we went down. Um, we knew that we could battle back and this was uh, adversity that we loved facing. Braden, what was it like having your home fans travel up to Nashville? Oh, it was awesome. They're a huge part of... Uh, part of the tournament and us winning. Uh, I would say especially in that Auburn game where we were, we were peppering their boys who stood on their head, stood on his head the whole game. Um, they really helped us do that, and uh, they're an excellent all-tournament. And again, joining us right now is Braden Storner. He is the captain of Ole Miss Hockey to get their first SECHC championship. And so i got to ask, with the cup there, because you guys are going to have that. Are you guys going to do a date with the cup? What do you plan on doing with that trophy? Um... With the cup, we've uh, we've kind of taken around taking some pictures with it. Um, I'm sure each guy will get his time with the cup, and uh, we've been treating it well. That's for sure. And so, looking at this too, those victories are pretty much going to propel you, is what it's looking like, at least to regionals uh, coming up. And so that's that's it's similar to folks at home listening, similar to baseball. You know, you have your regular season, you have regional, super regionals, or steps up to get to play for the national championship. So. How big of a deal is it for you guys to now know that, hey, we have an opportunity here to go on and further our postseason play? Yeah, definitely. Um, with that, with those three wins this this um, past weekend, really helped us with confidence wise too. Um, I think that'll be a huge thing going into it. We just have so much confidence, and 
we kind of still take the underdog mentality though, because you know being the sixty coming out one of it, no one like thought we had a chance at winning it. So we like that mentality and um, we want to keep going forward with it. And I think it was yesterday I tweeted out that your team, your roster is made up of guys from 17 different states. I mean, plenty of them from the southeast, but from all over the country as well. Just what does that speak for your school and the diversity on, on this team in terms of where guys are from, knowing that it's from all over the country that are represented on your team? Yeah, it's it's awesome having guys from everywhere. Um, our recruiters have done a very good job, and if, for those kids that are listening that want to um, come to Ole Miss, you can just go to our website, umhockey.com, and just click on the recruiting thing, and then we'll we'll be in touch with you. Um, but yeah, that, that it's it's huge, and you know we're all from all over the place, but we get to what we get, we get um, we gel together so well. Um, we're just, I mean, it's like a brotherhood. And you guys came so close to not being in the championship game. Y'all were in that semifinal game against Auburn. That was a marathon and overtime. You guys were putting over fifty shots on net, and the clock kept ticking, and uh, you guys just couldn't score. What was it like being in that moment, knowing that it could go one way or the other? And then I believe also you had the game winner in that one. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was pretty scary to be honest, but um, I knew we had it, and I knew we had the confidence in the group. I mean, the thing is, we kept we kept Pepper in the goal. I mean, he's still in their head, but uh, no one no one got down on the bench. Everyone was very encouraging. Um, John Whitworth, especially, he was he was always. Um, Trevor, right here, telling him keep going. Like, we got this, and I mean, it's just such a team effort. It was awesome. And again, Braden Storner, the Ole Miss hockey captain, joining us. And Braden, when when looking at this as well, college hockey, club college hockey with the ACHA is one of those things a lot of people still are learning about and don't necessarily know that their university has a hockey team. What's one thing you'd want someone to know if they've never come to an Ole Miss game before that you'd want them to learn about it? Um. There was a, a tweet this weekend that someone sent out, and um, I saw it, and it was like, uh, you can tell that these Ole Miss players out here like, are brothers and act like it because of the way they play for each other. And I think that's something that we model our game after is, is playing for one another, and the fans have that and appreciate it. No, absolutely, and the fans really did appreciate that. And, Braden, once again, congratulations. we got to go to our break, but congratulations. Really proud of you guys. Really proud to see what happened out there. So enjoy your year with the Cup, and we will see you soon in regionals. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Absolutely. Braden Storner, he's the captain of Ole Miss Hockey. Peyton being there and, and that atmosphere as well with all the people, the chants and cheers from both sides, especially the Ole Miss side. Did you feel like those guys were feeding off that energy? Oh, uh, there's no way they couldn't have. I'm telling you, I mean, I was feeding off that energy calling the game. Uh, that's the most raucous atmosphere I've ever called in. And looking at the tournament as a whole, too, all but two games were one-goal games if you take away the empty netters. That's what's pretty impressive about this as well. And then Ole Miss having to battle so much, especially the overtime games, pretty impressive to see what they're able to pull off. I mean, that's what the SECHC tournament's all about. I mean, you're going to get those close games all the time. Like I I told you last time I was here. It's like the March Madness meets the Stanley Cup finals and it delivered again this year. Yeah, your checks in the mail. Thank you for that. <laughs> all right. Up next we're gonna talk about the St. Louis Blues. We have Tom Timmerman. He's with the St. Louis Post Dispatch. It's a it's a mouthful. Sorry. <laughs> Coming up next year in penalty box here to ESPN one oh two five the game.
Welcome back to Penalty Box. You're here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. Jonah Story, Peyton Turnage, Kennedy Kemp joining us in the studio as well. And Calvin, I'm a glass, pumping out all different ty- types of tunes. I love it. Back love with it. the beats. With well the beats. diversified is what we are here at Penalty Absolutely. Box Radio. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, we Absolutely. are. Okay, so now joining us to talk about the St. Louis Blues, we have Tom Timmerman from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Tom, thanks for joining the show. Good to be here. So let's let's go ahead and start off just to clarify so many things. I know people were just concerned, worried, the Jay Bomeister uh, situation that happened last night as well, too. And I know you all got some updates from general manager Doug Armstrong. Just what overall is the situation, and, and where does it stand now with Jay Bomeister and his recovery? Um, he's uh, you know still in the hospital in Orange County. Uh, he is uh, awake and alert, and uh, but they still haven't figured out the cause of it. So he's still going to be in the hospital while they're doing tests to figure out why it happened and to see if it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing or if there's something else going on. So he's in the hospital. He'll be in there for they don't know how long uh, while they do tests on him. But other than that, the signs are very positive, um, you know, for him being in good shape. It's not like he's, you know, uh, in, in, in as bad as it was that his heart stopped beating and he had to be revived, you know, on the bench. Uh, he's, you know, the players have seen him, said he's, his normal self. So that's that's good news there. No one, but still, is what the future holds. No one's quite sure yet. Absolutely. And if anything, just commending the the quick response for the the training staff for both the Blues and the Ducks, and just how they were able to get to the situation so quickly. Because it's not it's obviously not that often we see this happen in a hockey game. So it's one of those things that just throws so many people off. So great to see that happen there as well. And so and we see all these pictures coming out of players just comforting each other and showing how hockey's just a little bit bigger than all this as well. So I mean. I'm sure you're having to feel lots of questions last night and, and through the day as well. So I <laughs> can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, it was something. I mean, you, even, you know, the, the Anaheim players were clearly, um, you know, uh, you know, I don't want to say touched, but they were, they were, they were troubled by it. I mean, they could, and because Jay Bomeister is also the kind of guy, I mean, he's been around, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's been playing since, you know, the beginning of the century. And so, I mean, there are players now who, you know, were kids with, I mean, so Jay Bomeister, and he's a nice guy. I mean, everybody likes Jay. He's, he's, no one is, I've never heard anyone say, oh, I'm going to, I got a score to settle with Jay Bomeister. <laughs> it doesn't happen. He's a, he's a very quiet, soft-spoken guy who's been playing very well defensively. We, I had just spoken to him a few days ago about, you know, what his plans are for next year because he's on a one-year contract and did he want to come back? And he said, yeah, you know, I'd like to come back. I haven't spoken to the team about it yet. They've got bigger priorities than me. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to come back. And so, you know, who knows what happens now? Absolutely. And again, the Tom Timmerman from the St. Louis Post-Dispatcher joining us here on Penalty Box Radio. And so let's get to the, let's get to the Blues. The Predators and Blues have a, another back-to-back on Saturday, <laughs> yeah. Sunday, coming up this weekend. And mm-hmm. now it's looking like the Central Division is a little more in play with St. Louis, Colorado, and Dallas all within four points of each other there. The Blues struggling a little bit, but saying it's not fatigue. What is one of those things? It's just a downtime right now for the Blues trying to get back in the groove and knowing they can just turn it on when they need to? Well, yeah. I think they'd like to think they can turn it on when they need to. <laughs> and certainly this, the slump they're going through right now has been atypical for them this season. They haven't had any runs like this so far. I mean, they, you know, they would have spots where they didn't do well, where they lost games, but it was usually three games and they would figure it out and they would go back because their, their game plan is so predictable. It's, you know, it's, it's you get in on the four check and you, they're physical and you get the puck and you maintain zone time and you create chances and score. And that's it. And you play tight defense with a bunch of six foot four defensemen with long arms to, to muck things up. So 
it's it's hard for them to get uh, too far away from their game because the game is is pretty basic. Um, you know, their problem now is they they've been making mistakes. You know, they're not a team that creates a whole lot of scoring chances, but now they're not taking advantage of the ones they create. So that's a problem they had. You know, they could have had four or five goals. You know that they didn't get in in the Dallas game, and they were there, and they didn't get any of them. You know, if you get two of them, it's a different game. And so the the goal scorers aren't scoring defensively; they're making mistakes. You know, they had a power play in, in the Dallas game, and they were up two nothing. The puck goes in the corner, and and three guys go in the corner, and the other guys along the wall, and all of a sudden, you know, ninety percent of the ice has no blue there. Uh, Dallas turned that into a goal, and that turns things around. So they're doing things like that that are atypical uh they are creating chances and there's not like there's you know it's they're doing a lot of things that in the past have gotten them wins and right now it's not getting them wins so it's not like that to turn a big corner but as they'll say it's a resort results oriented business and they're not getting results right now and they've got teams that are chasing colorado's right on colorado could pass them uh tomorrow night uh when the blues play vegas so it's uh it's right there it's getting tight. And looking ahead to the duration of Jay Bowmeister being out of the lineup, however long that ends up being, this is obviously an opportunity for someone to step in and kind of fill in that hole of somebody who's, you know, putting in 21, 22 minutes, you know, of time on the ice at night. So is there anybody in the pipeline, and maybe in San Antonio, that you see that could possibly step in and fill this role during his absence? The guy that would do it will be um, Nico Mikola, who's there. Uh, top defensive prospect in in San Antonio. He was up earlier this year, played five or six games, looked really good in it. He is another. He, he's cut from the same cloth as all of these guys. Uh, you know, he's he's big, uh, long arms, big stick. He'll get in the way of everything. Um, yeah, he's a left-handed defenseman. Uh, you know, they just called him up about half an hour ago. Um, whether or not they just stick with the six guys that they already have. Uh, they might do that tomorrow. I mean, that's going to be so four righties and two lefties, so someone's going to be playing on their offside. Uh, they need a left-handed guy. Mikla's the guy. Uh, his play earlier this year, and when Carl Gunnarsson was out, I, I think that made them say, we've got to find a place for Mikula in the lineup next season. We'll, we've got seven guys for this year. We don't know what's going to happen next year. Petrangelo's a, a free agent. Who knows? But they've got Mikula. They like Mikula. He's the guy. So, but it remains to be seen. I mean, they they could go with Robert Bortuzzo or Justin Falk playing on the other side and go with the six who have been there all year. But Mikula is going to be the guy. Again, Tom Timmerman joining us from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch talking St. Louis Blues. And, Tom, looking ahead, I mean, the trade deadline's coming up, and it's one of those things the Blues obviously have what it takes to, to repeat if they're able to. Do you see them being active at the trade den- deadline, kind of standing pat, or see them trying to buy a little bit more? What are you kind of feeling out for what the Blues are going to do? You know, the issue for them is, is Vladimir Tarasenko able to come back before the season ends? If he doesn't come back before the season ends, then they've got gobs of salary cap space and they can go out and get a top six forward. If they think he's going to be back, then they won't be able to go out and get somebody big. They don't know right now as to whether they will get him in the season or not. Um, yeah, He skated last week with the team once. He hasn't skated with them again. He's still, you know, the, the initial timeline they said would get him back the last week of the season. Uh, and so that's going to be the, 
the thing they have to look at because if they think they're going to get him back, then they can't really make a move because they don't have the space. Uh, you know, before if you thought could they trade one of their defensemen to create space, you know, could they trade Jake Allen to create space? But those guys are going to be proved to be essential now. So I wouldn't be surprised though if Doug Armstrong goes out and looks for one of those forwards uh, who's out there as insurance. I mean, you know, Tarasenko if he does come back, would come back with two or three games to go. You know, if the Blues are safely in a playoff spot, you know, you just hold them out until the playoffs and the cap doesn't matter anymore. So I think you could see them go after a, a top six. I mean, Kreider's the name that always comes up. Um, you know, the, another thing is Colorado wants him. You know, is, is there going to be a bidding war between them? Do the fact that another team in their division team that's, that they're battling with could get him, I mean, that could look, you know, that could be bad if all of a sudden Kreider gets him and the Blues don't as to how that, you know, sets the balance of power in the central division. Uh, but I think they're going to end up looking for a, a top six forward. But they're rolling the dice because it's a, it's a tough situation because of the timing on when Tarasenko could come back. Yeah, that's always you just never know with that. It's always a gamble there too. And before we let you go, mm-hmm. wanted to bring this up just because it's one. Of, it's, he's not a top six forward, obviously, but that Robbie Fabry and that trade with Jacob De La Rose as well. And looking at that, is this one of those things where you're thinking he just needed a change of scenery? Obviously, he hasn't produced as much lately for Detroit, but it's a change of scenery. He's been fairly successful there, all things considered. Is that the kind of thing where you think they're kind of missing him right now, or do they think they're still happy with that trade? No, I think they're happy with that trade. I mean, I think they felt that Fabry just wasn't the fit they wanted for, for their style of play. Uh, you know, he's getting a lot more minutes in Detroit than he was uh, ever going to get uh, in St. Louis. You know, he gets power play time there. Um, it just wasn't – I don't know that he fit in their plans. And I think plus-minus-wise, what's Robbie at right now? Minus 26? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, he's, he's, he's scoring goals, but, uh, you know, the, the – but I mean, everyone on Dallas is, or on Detroit is in the massive <laughs> negative numbers. But you know, uh, Jacob Della Rose is probably doing better. He's, Jacob Della Rose is when they got in the trade. He's playing a lot more than I thought he was going to play. Mm-hmm. I don't know what. Uh, you know, I don't know that there's much of a plan for Jacob Della Rose going forward with the Blues. But uh, yeah, but I think Robbie's uh, benefiting from, uh, from uh, a change of scenery for him and, and a chance to play a lot more than he was going to play in St. Louis. Well, it's always good when that works out for the player like that. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us. We really appreciate your insight. Okay, I'll be in Nashville this weekend. Excellent. Well, we'll see you this weekend. Okay. All Thank right. you. Folks, Bye. Tom Timmerman with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Talking about the St. Louis Blues. Lots of good updates there and lots of insight just in the St. Louis Blues, what's going on with them. And so we'll see what happens this weekend. The doubleheader. So remember back in November, they had the doubleheader as well. Mm-hmm. Thought it was a turning point for the Preds that time when they swept the Blues. but Maybe it's uh, this time. So we'll see what happens this time. The doubleheader back-to-back. Uh, the home-and-home home, uh, with the Blues. Okay, up next we have Dumb Things Said on Preds Facebook and answering your Twitter questions up here next on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. We were a movie. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here in ESPN 1025 The Game. Calvin, what is you doing? <laughs> Hannah Montana, I told you I was feeling it. Oh, We're feeling, feeling it. it too, though. Says, oh, well, thanks for spreading the Hannah Montana love. Are you feeling it now, Mr. Crabs? 
I know every word to those songs, too. Not ashamed at all. No, no. Well, Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, Jonah Story, Peyton Turnage, and hey, Kennedy Kemp joining us in the studio today, too. And that is producer Calvin with the Hannah Montana Jams. That's what he's Oh, he's giving himself applause. Thank you to the crowd. Thank you. Of course he is. Okay, you already have two dumb things said on Pred's Facebook. You ready? Lego. Well, those of you who are bad-mouthing the Preds, just shut up. I had to censor that. And support your team, regardless of their record. As a fan of the former Atlanta Thrashers, I know if there is a perceived dissatisfaction with the team. The ownership can either move or sell the team to a city that will appreciate the team, like Hartford or Quebec City. Fairweather fans are the worst fans to have and destroy a team. Go Preds! I was hoping that it would... I think you've said the stupidest thing ever. You keep talking. (laughs) I really did think at first it was going to stop after... Just shut up! That was it. <laughs> shut up. I couldn't shut help but just start cracking up. <laughs> former Atlanta Thrashers fan. Well, apparently this former person Atlanta is a Thrashers fan of like the chat. seven NHL teams. I'm a fan of all of them. Ugh, okay. We have another. But wait. There is. There's more. <laughs> okay. Has <clears throat> anyone thought the players are protecting Yusuf Saros better because they have a better connection with him? Or maybe Pekka has ticked the team off somehow. Maybe the team has been saying they want Yusuf Saros to be in goal. Lobby wouldn't listen. Will the new coach? They will keep us close to the playoffs with making a statement. This is not a who's a better goalie. It's how the team plays depending on who's in net. My God, are you still talking? <laughs> that ain't it, Chief. <laughs> yes. Pe- I think on air tonight, the the Predators' woes have just been figured out. That's it. Oh, They're right. Gosh. That's it. The depths that wow. fans are going to to reach. That was deep. To that tr- like, yeah. To they try got into to the, solve. What the they issue got into is. the psyche of every person on that team and tried to say that they yes. have something against. One of the nicest guys there is in sports, wow. Pecorine, has ticked the team off somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Unforgivable. I don't Inconceivable. Get, we're just we're just not going to play well in front of him because he ticked me off. <laughs> Oh, I, wow. I, just, I don't I don't understand. That might it. be one of my favorites lately. Oh boy. That was well, good. Just wait, there'll be more, as always. Okay, Tony asks, is anyone safe from the Seattle expansion draft? Like, do they have to protect anyone? Yossi. If you're gonna protect if you're gonna pick one player, Yossi. Yeah, aside from him being the captain, if you're gonna pick one player who's been doing their job consistently lately. Right. <laughs> jo- Jonah? Roman Yossi. One player that you would protect. I'm going to have to say Roman Yossi. Okay, Peyton. Let's go for a clean sweep. Okay, that's pretty easy. Okay, this one is now coming from Michael. Do you think the majority of players and fans would be receptive to reducing the number of games per season? Obviously, the league would resist, but player health is becoming an issue of greater focus among media and fans. You know, that, that he makes a very good point, especially with how grueling the playoffs can be. And people are like, but that's not hockey. Well, there was hockey before when there were less than 82 games. Mm-hmm. There's been sports before that have changed and evolved just because it's the way that it is now doesn't mean a sport has to be that way all the time baseball just changed the the pitcher rule as well to where they have to face three batters before you can make a change and so people that changes things change sports evolve they're trying to speed up the game of baseball so if we can do things to make hockey better for the players to stay healthier then i would be for it or if it's one of those things that you know there's going to be an olympic year Less games instead of squeezing things together. Player safety becomes a very important factor when you're having to squeeze so many games. And remember, if you're having four games a week, that becomes dangerous a lot of times. So I would be for it after multiple types of research and everything. You want to research Mm -hmm. what's going to be the best way to go about this. But I would think maybe something around 
60, 65 games, yeah. I, I would be fine I believe with. that possibly the lowered management concept could trickle down into the NHL. Oh, totally. It absolutely could. You make a really good point of what the NBA does. Yeah. Exactly. So I think yeah. answering his question, I think the majority of players and fans, I think fans in general from what I've seen, would be on board with that as long as, like you said, as long as it made sense for the league, right? right. Um, and I can't imagine that players would have too much of an issue with as that if they their health exactly <laughs> if their health is number one right. and they get they, they get, get their money. And that's the other side is that well that means less games, mean less yep. revenue coming into exactly. the buildings through concessions. That's where it would like have that. to make absolute sense for the balance. league to do that. So yeah, so but and, uh, it's one of those things that's worth researching. And in case you did not know the term load management and you don't watch a lot of the NBA. The term load management is where a team intentionally rests a player to preserve their longevity. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you see it happen. Well, you see even in, in the NHL, but it's only like one or two games before the playoffs. If, for instance, a team, if, if a team has a player that is a star player and they've secured their playoff spot, they're, they're sometimes going to rest them. If yeah. there's no, if there's no record to, to break, there's nothing of instance to where, oh, well, he's played all games a season, he can't just miss one, sometimes why, it will for health. And, yeah, exactly. And why do they usually do that? To make sure they don't get hurt. So. Exactly, for the playoff run. Yep. So, no, that's a, that's a good question, Michael. I think it's something definitely Very worth good, researching yeah. as well and more to look into it. I know there's been an article on Penalty Box Radio before, too, and it, it's, it's, worth, it's worth a lot of research into it to see what's going to be better for the players, for the fans, but I know a lot of owners are going to be against that. So this one comes from Ed. Not quite a recapture question, but should the Preds look at trading with Montreal to take Weber's contract back in order to bury him on LTIR? He could be a quasi-coach for our defensive players. I don't think that's really going to happen. I just don't foresee that happening at all. Anybody have anything else to? It would make to? my heart happy to see. Well, Shea yeah, like Weber I, back, but uh, Mo Weber, Mo Weber. I think that it yeah. could, but I don't think that it will. Right, I'll say that. Right. Okay. This this is a fun one here from Pucks Out Podcast. If you could watch one NHLer from the past that you have never seen play in person or on television, who would you choose? That's good. Yeah, I didn't see good. this question until oh. now, um, but for. <laughs> For me, probably Willie O'Ree, because what he did for diversity in the NHL, I would like to be able to like see him in his prime, you know? Did she steal you? your answer, Jonah? Yes, she stole my answer. <laughs> we could go to the same game. I, there, see? We can go to the same game. That would be wonderful. <laughs> Peyton? I guess I'd have to say Gordy Howe. Like, how tough really was he? Like, you know, <laughs> how did he balance his skill and, and, his, uh, and his grit? And you would catch him on his trick night. <laughs> on the Gordy Howe trip. Oh, night. nice. There you go. Nice rep. See, mm-hmm. see. Uh, I, would, I was going to say Gordy Howe as well. So we have a two and two. Oh, we do, yeah. <laughs> do you have a two and Maurice two? Maurice Richard, honorable mention. There you go. There you go. Calvin, do you have anyone? I want to get you involved in this. Sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know you were. <laughs> Hannah Montana I, I, is the you, answer, no matter if, what the question is. If you could watch any past NHL player that you've never been able to see in person or on TV, who would you want to see? Oh, it's got to be Wayne Gretzky. Like, I feel like that's the easy answer. That's right. Well, because of his age, he didn't get to see Wayne Gretzky. Before. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that yeah. that's something like I, my parents got to see when yeah. I was like one years old, one year old. But <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah. See, I got to see just a little bit. I was old enough to at least watch on TV and I think once. In person, I got to see him play in the alumni game a few years ago. Oh, there you go. There's that. Mm -hmm. There's that. This one comes from Tyler. Should PK Subban and Kevin Fiala be worried about their ankles given the state of other former Preds who have been traded away? (laughs) Dude, that's Fiala already had to worry about his femur. So, (laughs) dude, is the ankle curse real? Oh my god, coming soon. My column. 
This one comes from Tim. Have we really won any of the big trades that we have made over the past four or five years? Hard pressed to say yes to many, if any. That is a, that is a good question because one is is subjective. That's what you want to accomplish out of it. Mm-hmm. Seth Jones, although he's injured, has done very well with Columbus and Ryan Johansson. Now, when you started looking at it, has underperformed, especially this year has underperformed for what you expect out of him to grow past what he was doing already. So that I understand that. If you look past that five year mark just a little bit, you know, you look at the Erat Forsberg trade, which that's obviously paid Always off. Always gonna be a win. <laughs> yeah. Now something in, that could pay off in the future would be that seventh rounder for Connor Ingram, the goaltender from the Tampa Bay system who is having a stellar season in Milwaukee. That's you can't say that really yet. But even though you could say that because a seventh rounder for a guy that could go and win you a Calder Cup in Milwaukee to help develop them is obviously a good winning of a trade, but it doesn't affect the Preds as much right now, which I know is what everybody is talking about. And then you have what the, the Ryan Hartman trade, and he's not here anymore. You have the Mikhail Glenland one, and that one is working out better now than it was in the past. In the past but, few weeks, it's been pretty good. <laughs> that's about it. So anybody trending anything to upwards add to that there? One? <laughs> nope. Okay. Other question here. Let's see. This one comes from Dennis. How many different moves does General Manager David Poyle make if we are sellers? And if they get it together, how many if we are buyers? See, that is a tough one. I'm at the the point to where I think if this team becomes a buyer, it's a it's a piece that's something like a one move for defense, one move for offense type of thing. A third-pairing defenseman and a middle six forward is what they would be going after. More of that defense. So I think if the forwards could make it happen, they have the talent to make it happen. They just are not doing it right now. But defense does need the help. They tremendously need the help in the third pairing. That is a key target right there for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I'm seeing a lot of people is they're having this idea that if David Poyle does something in the deadline, that it's just going to be this whole just just crumble and rebuild type thing. you know. And I think people are kind of freaking out about that. So in this case, yeah, I think it would be very, very specific, but it's not. I don't think it's going to be a lot. I think he's going to make – a move for a move, but I don't think that there's going to be a lot of pieces involved. Even if selling, because there's not much that people are going to... Because what are you going to... What are you going to sell that's going to be worth a lot of value? Yeah. And, right and the now, ones that have the value, you're not going to sell. So. Right. So so the ones that have the value would be Mikhail Glendlin, because the way he's performing right now, and he's on an expiring contract. Uh, Craig Smith, potentially Nick Benino would be one, because he has a you know, year on his deal. He still has time on his deal, which makes him more valuable, and he's performed fairly well this season. But other than that, you're not going to blow it up until it's the offseason when you have more options, and you can see what you're going to do with those options as well. So that's pretty much what I see. I don't see anything more than two moves max. Jonah? Uh, there's On TSN's tradebait.com, there's this 10th uh, ranked pick, because it's not a player, it's a pick, and it is Carolina's first-round pick. And every time I went on there to check it, it has been something that's really intrigued me. So I possibly can see us maybe moving a player for the possibility of getting Carolina's uh, first-round pick in 2020. It's going to take a lot to move a first-round pick, bud. <laughs> it's going to take – I mean, there'd be have to be – for them to give that up because of where it is, it's going to take a lot. So I don't see the Predators having anything that's going to be garnering anything later than a late first-round pick right now. Like past 20. Top 10, those are so valuable, especially this draft. It, yeah, it's deep, but that means you want your top 10 picks. So it'd have to be something big. They'd have to be true, legit sellers and have to give away something decent to get that in return. So let's see. That's about it. We appreciate everybody tuning in. More at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. We have plenty of podcasts, coverage of the SCCHC tournament, and everything you need with the Preds coming up because they have plenty of home games coming up. You can check out PenaltyBoxRadio.com, Facebook, and Twitter. 
So, big thank you to Kennedy for joining us in the studio and watching in, to Peyton Turnage, Jonah Story, and Glenn Blackwell, and producer Calvin with the Hannah Montana Jams. This is Justin Bradford. Thanks for listening to Penalty Box right here on ESPN 1025 The Game.